This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Pod. I am joined, as always, on the other line by my co-host, co-founder of this podcast, Zach. Zach, how are you? I am doing well, Josh, but I'm feeling a little bit inadequate because before we hit record, you were just telling me that you found a new podcast that's going through each episode of Lost. Yeah. And their podcast episodes are about four hours long. So <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. uh, maybe starting today, we should we should aspire to that and we'll shoot for this one. to. I mean, four hours might be a little bit too much, but maybe like three and a half hours yeah. for this episode. That's good. So, yeah. yeah, I think that'll be good. Okay. Yeah. So so we're finally into July with, of, of what feels like the longest year of our lives, 2020, just yeah. rolling on. I think it was the other day I said, I can't believe we're already halfway through. It feels like January was a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. It feels like this year will just continue and continue. Yeah. I and just you, remember. And you never the, know what each week is going to bring. No, absolutely not. I mean, you Hong the, Kong is basically behind the Iron Curtain of China now. It's uh, crazy. We obviously have the murder the, hornets. The murder hornets. Yeah. So yep. I was going to ask. So I saw this tweet that said someone must be traveling back in time and and messing up the timeline because murder hornets just disappeared. What happened <laughs> to them? That's very true. You know, I, I uh, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means, but I, I'm, I think I like to think I'm clear headed about. Um, the role of the fourth estate, the media yeah. in like shaping yeah. perceptions of events. And it really is remarkable how much a small group of people can really control what we think about day to day. It's really, it's really amazing. And now I totally like, agree. It's, it's not uh, one reason why this is not the same thing as like a conspiracy theory is because you can't really say that we are not a, like a willing subject in this grand experiment because like we're all glued to our devices and social right. media we're scrolling through facebook news feeds and twitter news feeds so 24 we're, hour we're, news cycle yeah so we're asking for this right like we're, yeah. we're saying like shape my perceptions and beliefs about <laughs> reality as it is so you know we're we are a willing audience in that respect but it, it it is remarkable like i mean have the murder hornets actually disappeared i i you know probably not <laughs> right but i have yeah. not read anything about them since a few weeks ago, we had all the jokes about like 2020, what's next? Murder Hornets, oh goodness. Right, right, right. Yeah. And the other thing to think about, perhaps the Murder Hornets are the Chekhov's gun of mm, 2020. Yeah, That's scary. That's a scary thought. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. Let's, <laughs> let's hope, hope not. not. Let's yeah. hope for better days in the future. But today we're here to talk about episode three of season four of Breaking Bad. It's called Open House. Zach, just before I read the summary... Did you like this episode? Is this is this uh, better than the last one? I know we both talked about 38 Snub was not one of our favorites. So what I, about this one? I would say better than the last one for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is, again, not my favorite. I mean, I think we have the same problem that, I say problem in quotes. It's a problem to some people, not to me necessarily, but the same problem that plagues uh, previous seasons of Breaking Bad, just that it starts a little bit slow the whole season. And so right. I think we're, we're kind of in what I would call the cinematic doldrums of yes. season four. Um, but I think we're I think we're picking up steam slowly, but perhaps surely in this episode. What do you think? And correct me if I'm wrong. Gus does not appear in this episode again. Not a not even a word this time. Correct. Is that right? Yep. I, I believe yeah. that's correct. Yeah, I, I don't recall him appearing anywhere. That's crazy because if you were to have asked me before we started season four, you know how prominent of a role that Giancarlo Esposito you know, playing Gus is in the season, I would have said he's in every episode. He's a big character. And and that's proven wrong in in three episodes so far. Well, in a way, I mean, it, it's proven wrong. In he, the, he's playing in, it. Yes, he's playing a big role, but not a yeah, visible role. Exactly right. So, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito is not everywhere and super vocal. 
but the shadow of Gus yes. uh, is is you know it, it is cast long over each episode. If I yes, can if definitely. I can sound poetic. <laughs> No, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, so I, I did like this one more. It, you know, according to The Ringer, this is a 50th of the 62 total Breaking Bad episodes. Yeah, so, so we're moving up. <laughs> yeah, the last one was 58 of 62. I don't know if we've done 62 of 62. I, I can't remember, but um, maybe we're not there yet. Well, while Hopefully you read the two-minute summary, I will find out. Let's okay, see. great. Yeah, so let's uh, get, jump into the two-minute summary of Open House. Again, very short, so it might only be one minute. It goes like this. Walt is furious about a motion-detecting surveillance camera installed in the lab. Skyler convinces Walt in a meeting with Saul to buy the car wash. After much unjust pressure, the owner sells it to her, agreeing to an even lower price than her original offer. Jesse continues to open his house up for a 24-hour drug-fueled parties, deliberately throwing piles of money in the midst of the chaos. Frustrated with Hank's coldness at home, Marie renews her kleptomania. Hank obtains a copy of the lab notebook found in Gail's apartment from an interested colleague. Okay, that is the end of the summary. Zach, mm. what what grade would you give this summary? Uh, this is a D plus, I think. Yeah, this is bad. Um, this is bad. Is, first question, is a mania something that you just renew? It's like a library <laughs> book. <laughs> Marie yeah. renewed her kleptomania. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, I didn't think so either. Um, I mean, a, a mania is some sort of like psychological pathology. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you could maybe say that she's like falling back into her kleptomania. She suffers a relapse of her kleptomania, but just like renewing right. her kleptomania. Renewing her <laughs> subscription to kleptomania. <laughs> oh, it's uh, th- my kleptomania is expired. Let me just renew <laughs> it here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is not this is not good. No, this is this is very um, this is very paint by numbers. This is exactly the, the just the bare minimum of what happens in this episode. Except and I think except it completely. The, <laughs> there's like a little bit of editorializing on the part where uh Skyler is trying to convince uh, Bogdan to sell her the car wash. And the yeah. editorializing in the two minute summary is after much unjust pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I would, I would give this one a, a D I'd, I'd say a D is, D, is solid pretty D. fair okay. for this one. Yeah. Okay. Zach. So we gave our grade here. Did you find with the 62nd out of 62nd breaking bad episode, according to the ringer is while I was reading the two minute summary. Yes, I sure did. The 62nd is hazard pay, which is season five, episode three. Oh boy. But oh boy. On so the, we're not there yet. No, we're not on the topic though of our, um, of our, you know, season four being a pretty slow episode. It appears that three of the last five in the ringers rankings are from season four. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're in, we're in a, a season that, you know, it's, it's, it's going along. Wait, hold on. Maybe yeah. it's four. Well, so 61, 62 is hazard pay season five. It was episode three. 61 is okay. bug season four, episode nine. Uh, number 60 is shotgun season four, episode five. Okay. Number 59 is bullet points, which is the next episode after today's season four. Oh my episode gosh. Four. <laughs> Stick uh, with us. Stick with yeah. us. Audience. And the one after that is of course, 38 snub that we already did. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're into season three episodes. So okay. yeah, we're, we're, you know, we've got maybe not the strongest episode or not the strongest season according to the rare, yeah. of course, but there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. It's yeah. Okay. There, there, are, there's a lot. And, and for our audience, if you're watching this through for the first time, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't, but the end of this, this season is well worth sticking with it. Yes. So we, well, we will get there. Of course. Let me just say this. The third overall episode in the entire ringer list is from season four. And it is indeed the, the, ending episode of the season okay so there you that go that is that is on the way 
worth waiting around for. All right, Zach, let's jump into broader thoughts and themes because we both had several things here. And the first, I'll, I'll just kick this off and then I'll throw it to you because you had a you had a couple of, of things as well. But the title of the episode is Open House. And I was thinking a lot about this as I was watching it. And I think, you know, on its surface, it's titled that because one of the main plot points is that Marie is going to all of these different open houses. And, you know, literally she's attending open houses of different real estate properties. So on its surface, that's, you know, makes sense. Right. But sort of as a broader thought and theme, my idea or what I think they were going for here is that she's going to these open houses to try to escape from her real life. And it's not just her who's having an open house or going to open houses. You'll remember that Jesse is sort of in the midst of this, like 20, you know, as the summary talked about, 24-hour drug-fueled parties. And in a way, those are sort of open houses. He's letting anybody into his home. But I think it's all this this path to try to escape his real life. So what do you what do you make of that? Am I onto something here? Am I totally off base? You are definitely onto something. In fact, uh, what I had pinpointed for my broader thoughts and themes dovetails, I think, pretty well with what you were just talking about. So first of all, on this idea about open house, I think that's right. It's it's really it's an episode about people um, either escaping or wanting to escape or uh, being sort of, you know, re, re, uh, being resigned to where they find themselves. And I think that's what we see happening with Skyler in this episode. But you already pointed out that um, Jesse and Marie are on sort of parallel paths here. And I would even argue that uh, Hank fits into that category as well. There's clearly uh, there's cl- clearly no domestic bliss happening in the Schrader household. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out, which is just kind of funny, is that, you know, we see Hank watching TV in three different scenes here, and he's watching very different things each time. And the first time he's he's watching porn while Marie is out of the house. Mercifully, we don't see anything, which it's just like it's, you know, it's alluded to, basically. The second time he's watching bowling. And the third time it's in the middle of the night and he's watching some sort of like public uh, public local channel have like a community housing debate about like zoning or signage or something. It's like the most, the most boring vanilla TV you can possibly imagine. And I think the lesson there for Hank is that he's like searching for, um, searching for like engagement in some way. Uh, I don't know if you've had this experience Josh, but I definitely have where it's like late at night and I want to watch something and I want to be like entertained. I want to have, I want to, I want to watch something that like makes me feel something, but I just like start a few different things on Netflix. and like, nothing's really doing it for me, you know? Yeah, um, no, I, I've definitely had that experience. Yeah. And I feel like that's, sure. that's kind of Hank here as well, which is interesting. Um, and then Marie, like you said, the open house stuff, she's, she's clearly trying to escape. And one question I had for you is, does she want to be caught? I mean, the, the two minute summary that we both agreed is a D or a D plus that suggested that she just renewed her kleptomania and et cetera, et cetera. But I would suggest to you, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I would suggest to you that Marie wants to be caught. And I would suggest one, maybe a couple pieces of ev- pieces of evidence, but the most crucial one is when she's drawing attention to the spoons and talking to the realtor about the spoons, right? If she's going to steal a spoon, why would she call such attention to the spoons to the realtor and engage the realtor in a you know lengthy, relatively lengthy discussion about spoons? To me, this seems like in some ways a cry for help in the same way that you'd hear a parent talk about their teenager acting out, doing drugs, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a cry for help from the parents. Like they're doing it to get attention that they feel like they're not getting. We definitely see Marie here not getting attention from Hank. I mean, he's he's become pretty awful to her and it's really sad to see. 
And I think this is in some ways her cry for help. She needs help from Hank. She, she needs recognition. And the way she does it is by, you know, quote, renewing her kleptomania as our, uh, as our Wikipedia, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, writer would have us say. So, yeah. So you mean you, you definitely think that Hank is, is not nice because he's like, cheetos <laughs> not for, for Fritos. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He was pretty upset about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, he's been just expecting her to take delivery of all his minerals and yes. uh yeah i mean just like yeah it's it's pretty painful to watch him be so mean and like i want to like hank I, I do like hank in previous episodes but he's really being kind of right. a jackass yeah this is this is tough yeah i definitely think that he he um yeah i definitely think that he he's on another level here that she just can't handle and she's doing her best. I mean, she really is trying. I mean, she tries to go to the store. She even says she'll go back to the store when, you know, when she's feeling, uh, you know, when he's upset about everything. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think she might want to be caught, but I also think that part of it for her might be wanting to, to like feel something because in her home life, she doesn't really feel, accepted she doesn't feel loved and so i think part of it is like going and making up these stories you know i'm this person i'm that person you know when she goes to these open houses where she really just wants to feel something and i think part of that is is what she's going through here yeah completely agree i think that's spot on it's it's again a welcome change when we see an episode that's devoted to a more auxiliary character uh i think and this episode isn't totally devoted to her. There's an, there's another central thread about Skylar and Walt, for example. But I think it's it's nice to see that what it's Gilligan a, it's and a the big creative, chunk. yeah, exactly. And what Gilligan and the creative team are doing, I think, is showing that Walt's decisions right have far-reaching consequences outside of his immediate family, outside of his yeah. immediate orbit. Absolutely. Okay, Zach. Let's move on to best scene, best writing, best moment. I want to kick it to you first for our best scene nomination. Zach, what did you pick for your best scene? All right. So uh, the best scene that I have here is it's actually tied to your best scene. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe it makes more sense if I go first here. You know, looking oh, yeah. at what yours is. Yeah, sure. Just yeah. because it, yours, follow, yeah. yours, yours follows mine chronologically. Yeah. yeah. So as you mentioned, when we were talking about broader thoughts and themes, one of the other major plot lines is this Skylar moment where she's trying to convince Bogdan to sell the car wash. She, you know, is very adamant that they buy this car wash. And I just found the whole sort of like negotiation, you know, she's sitting down with, with Walt and Skylar, Walt and Saul, excuse me, pretty early on in the episode. And they're talking about why couldn't it be another place? Why couldn't they just do a nail salon or another car wash or something else? And Skylar's pretty adamant that, that it is this car wash that Walt used to to work at and the reason as we're going to hear in this clip is pretty interesting something along the lines of you weren't man enough to face him yourself what that you had to send your woman to do your business for you <laughs> okay uh speaking as your lawyer i'm gonna go on record and say this is a bad idea now it's i advise one. against it's this one i think my favorite part of that is just like how indignant Walt is and how quickly he changes his mind from this car wash is a terrible idea. We're not going to do it, et cetera. To as soon as he hears that his masculinity and, um, you know, strength and authority was challenged. He's like, it's this one. This is it. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's the reason I chose it as my best scene because 
uh, part of me thinks that that Skyler isn't. I, I, I think she doesn't really like Bogdan because he insulted her as well. But I think she specifically brings this up to Walt because she knows how he's going to react. Like she mentions, like, I don't like him. That's why I want to pursue this car wash. I basically want to bury him, buy the car wash from him and and get him out of the picture. But she knows that she can get Walt on board if she addresses the fact that Bogdan insulted him. And I think that that's a really astute character moment from Skylar because she knows Walt well enough through their years and years of marriage, you know, what's going to to poke and prod him. And so that's why I, I like the nuance of that. It's not a big moment. It is kind of funny, as you mentioned, like Walt is, is very quickly turned towards like, no, it has to be this one. But I just find it to be a really nuanced moment. And I appreciate that in this episode. Yeah, and I think the thing I I like even more about Walt turning so quickly is how well Saul anticipates that happening and starts to he starts to cut it and say like okay okay, uh, and before he can get too far down the road, Walt says no, this is the one. But right, but exactly. I just love this. This reinforces to me how good of a student of human character and human nature Saul Goodman is. Yeah, and I would say I'm thinking through this. I was I was thinking about this as you were talking, Josh. But I think I would say. Uh, with some degree of confidence that Saul is the most astute observer of human nature in the whole show because time and time again, he's the one who's proven correct in his assessments about who people are and what they'll do. Um, And I think that's really interesting and it makes sense too, in a way, like who would you expect to be better than a smarmy criminal defense lawyer who has seen, seen the worst that people can do. And like, don't misunderstand me listeners. I'm not saying that criminal defense lawyers are all bad or that like (laughs) that, you know, that, profession in itself is somehow bad but like he's not he's not a noble public defender who is um, working to lift up the downtrodden and give the disadvantaged adequate representation he is like he has built a business model on helping bad guys do bad things and get away with it um right. and so he he has seen the you know the seamiest of underbellies and and knows what what human nature is capable of and i just really like how we see that come through in this interaction here he sees how effectively Skyler's going to be able to manipulate Walt with this little bit of information about how Bogdan insulted him. Yeah, the only character I would say who gives Saul a run for his money is probably Mike, because Mike has similar experience with with a foot in both worlds. And I think that's why Saul as a character has such an astute observational skill set here, because he has a past as sort of, you know, like in the you know, for better, for lack of a better term in, you know, like the up and up world, like we learn in the prequel, Better Call Saul, that he worked in a, a, you know, he worked with and worked, you know, in a pretty uh, decent sized law firm. And, you know, so he was sort of on the straight and narrow for a little bit, but he also has this past of, you know, as you learn in the prequel, you know, his time is slipping Jimmy where he was sort of conning people and he has a foot in both worlds. And I think Mike is similar in that sense. Like he has a very uh, keen eye for, you know, different uh, human interactions in the same way that Saul does. No, that's a great point. I completely agree with you. It's it's like Mike is the muscle version and Saul right. is the you know brains version, but they yeah, both exactly they both have similar parallel experiences in that way. Yeah. Okay. So yes, your your scene, your best scene, sort of uh, tails on this. This is towards the end of the episode, but it's a continuation of this this um, you know Skyler negotiating to get the 
to get the car wash. Yeah. So why don't you talk about your best scene? Sure. And similar to yours, I've just cut cut it down to a shorter segment of the audio. But this is just when when Skyder's showing off her negotiation chops, and Walt doesn't quite understand what she's doing and is skeptical that it's going to work. But indeed, we see it work. Why? Because I want to pay less. Oh no, seventy nine thousand dollars less. Who cares? Do you know how much I make in a day? Yeah, but that's the very reason we need to negotiate. We don't want to arouse suspicion by not trying to get a good no, deal. No, look, I, look, I get the logic. I do. But you just went too far with it. You're calling him names? I didn't call him names. Um, I said he was unpleasant. I love this because, you know, Skyler is really savvy. Walt is underestimating his own wife. Um, mm-hmm. and he thinks like, I'm the cunning one. I'm the one who understands how this works, but actually he has no idea how this works. <laughs> and, and Skyler is driving a hard bargain. And we find out in the scene that she does it effectively. And she gets Bogdan to sell her the car wash for $50,000 less than he had originally, or than she yeah. had originally offered him. Right. So, yeah. um, so I really like the scene and, and just what it illustrates about Skyler. Not only is she super smart and, uh, on at least, you know, topics like this can, um, uh, can best even Walt, the great Heisenberg, Walter White. Um, but also she is, she's committed at this point. She's no longer ambivalent about, you know, supporting Walt or providing cover for Walt and his criminal enterprises here. Now she is in it to win it, if you will. Yeah. I'm guessing Walt was never bullied as a child because he seems to think I that would think no. calling someone unpleasant is, uh, is calling someone names. Like yes. there are, there are far worse names you could be called than, Hey, you, you're unpleasant. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've, no. I called my siblings way worse just when like <laughs> we'd have sibling fights as, as kids. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do. I also like sort of, and I, and I want to talk more about this, uh, to, for our listeners, it's storming quite loudly. If you can hear the thunder again, it's, it's not booming. coming through very loudly here. At okay. least. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, here I can hear the rain pouring down here. We have a thunderstorm going on Th- summer thunderstorm in, in the DC area. But what I was going to say is we're going to talk a little bit more about this too. And, and this is actually a good, um, a good segue here into our best writing moments. I think we both had the same the same scene is that right we just had you know you pulled audio from two different sections yeah of it, sure but, did and if you're okay with it i'll just kind of um play both of those in tandem but yeah. I, it was a, it's a very long scene as you know so i just kind of cut it up to some relevant sections yeah so this is at the end of the episode uh, skylar and walter celebrating you know buying the car wash they get bogged into fold eventually and they're celebrating over a very expensive bottle of champagne and the reason that i picked it as my best writing and we're going to hear it in this scene, but it also is evident in the scene we just heard that Zach, you chose as your best scene is the hubris from Walt. He says in the scene that you pick, do you know how much my money I make in a day? Yeah. And like that kind of line. And then the way that he talks about the champagne, which we're about to hear, uh, just speaks of his like incredible hubris that he very, very much uh, self-important um, speaking patterns here. So let's hear uh, these scenes back to back, and then we can talk about why we chose them as our best writing a little bit more in depth. This is truly amazing. Yes, well, it better be. $320 a bottle. What? Cuvée Paul Roger, Sir Winston Churchill, apparently. It was his favorite champagne, so they just named it after him. How did you pay for it? What do you mean? Cash. I paid cash. No, I'm I'm asking how did you, Walter White, an unemployed school teacher, pay for it? How how do you explain it? Skyler. No one saw me. Whoever sold it to you did. Um, Josh, what's the most expensive bottle of wine or champagne you've ever had? 
I don't know, maybe like twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> even I, then, I think even I, then, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe something more expensive on my wedding day, sure. wedding night. Sure. So I think you know a big a big thing to celebrate appropriate buying a car wash perhaps you know does that yeah. warrant a three hundred twenty dollars champagne bottle you know to each his own. Um, right. The most just a brief story here, totally unrelated to the the episode, but um, when I graduated from college, my um, dad popped open a fairly expensive bottle of wine. It wasn't anything insane. I think it was like a hundred dollars or less. Um, which is still a lot of money. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm grateful, but uh, it was aged like, I don't know, a decade and a half or something. And the cork had basically disintegrated. So when, uh, when he tried to pull the cork, um, it basically fell apart and like it, you know, fell down into the wine and no one wants to drink cork in their wine. So we had then had to like filter the wine through a cheesecloth. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, yeah. And, and all that. And like it tasted fine to me, but I'm not a wine connoisseur, so I I really don't think that I enjoyed the like marginal benefit of the expensive sure. wine versus like you know a twenty dollar wine. So um, anyway, and I there have been there have been studies that have shown that people who are not sommeliers they have a difficult time you know differentiating between a hundred dollar bottle of wine and a fifteen dollar bottle of wine. Yeah, like and I think most people could tell if it was a three dollar bottle of wine, but like once you there's a there's diminishing returns at a certain point for people who are not are who are not wine connoisseurs. Totally, and whatever the opposite of a sommelier is, that's where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Just complete too. amateur. You know, I I look at a wine I'm like, oh, it's red. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it's as red much or as I can white tell. or it's pink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let me play the next one here. So I, I skipped a little bit here, um, but this is how the conversation wraps up. There's a long bit of silence at the end of this clip right before uh, Skyler has her final line, but that's that's built in. Just uh, just bear with me, uh, and then you'll hear her excellent final line that I think is your favorite part of the dialogue, yes. Josh. I'm not apologizing for wanting to celebrate in some small way. I'm not asking you to apologize, Walt. I'm asking you to be smart. I bought... One bottle of champagne. One single bottle, Skylar. I paid cash. That's it. That's all it takes. Okay? I mean, look at Watergate. One one little piece what? of duct tape left <laughs> oh on a door God. brought down the President of the oh, United States. What? I, I'm Nixon now? No, what I'm saying is the devil is in the details, okay? One little mistake, one slip-up in our story, that could ruin us. I love that. <laughs> she hands him the champagne glass. We got to destroy the evidence. Pretty great. Yeah, it's good. And, and so it's interesting reason- too, because I think this is the time, the first time in, in, I don't know, two seasons that we've seen Walt and Skylar enjoy a genuine moment together. Yeah. Which is also why one of the reasons I picked, I picked this moment because it's, you know, as, as a, as the best writing, because it's so interesting when you think about intimate moments between a married couple, you know, celebrating a, a big success or a promotion or, you know, a new marriage or a new house or something like that. You think about really positive things in life, but the only time that they're able to connect is over something that's really quite negative. 
and, and you know it's a, a a morally dubious thing that they're they're connecting over and celebrating and and so i thought that was a really interesting way to sort of subvert the expectations of how does a couple reconnect or rekindle their romance and in their case it's over a criminal act essentially is what right. they're you know walt says to i think what does he say to to clean money and clean cars or something like that that's what he says at the beginning when they first uh, seal the deal which it's I think a foolproof business well. plan yeah 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 so yeah i think it's it's just a well-written scene and it's it's different than what you might expect from a couple sort of reconnecting anything else to add zach on that before we move on to our best moment no let's go moments Okay, so Zach, your best moment, uh, we haven't really even talked about Marie in this episode, but your best moment uh, involves Marie. So do you want to walk us through it? Sure, yeah. So this is just when she's in the first uh, the first house that we see, the first open house that she's visiting. And um, she has that conversation that we mentioned at the beginning with the realtor about the spoons. These They're like the little commemorative spoons on the wall. And there's, um, as the realtor says, one for each state. They have this, um, you know, this little exchange about the spoons. And uh, it's very obvious that, you know, each spoon has its place. There's no missing spoons in the frame. And then the realtor, uh, it's very subtle, but the realtor walks away to get a brochure, I think, and comes back and one of the spoons is missing. Um, I love that because it's, you know, to the the observant viewer, that's the signal that this is more than just Marie, like, going house shopping. I mean, she she has lied about who she is, but you could write that off as, like, I don't know, someone just kind of wants to, like, escape for a day and like pretend they're someone else, et cetera. But right. we know as the viewer that she's had a kleptomania problem. Now we know that she has, uh, quote, renewed her kleptomania. <laughs> but I, I just like that moment. You know, the, the realtor walks away, comes back into the frame, spoon is gone. You're like, oh, we're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My sister, an avid spoon collector when she was younger. Oh, really? Wow. Did yeah. she have yeah. a collection like that? She had, I think she was doing the state thing. I, I, as far as I remember, or it might have been wherever we visited. So when we would go on vacation, like instead of getting a keychain, she would get a spoon. She had a spoon case. Very exciting for her. That's neat. I don't think she don't think she cares much about them anymore. You know, I will say um, uh, on the point of collections and this show, I've been thinking because I was watching, you know, Hanks. Now, granted, he, he has this obsession with minerals, but geodes and minerals are pretty cool, right? There's some yeah. there's some neat looking ones. And I've been thinking, you know, I have young kids. What young kids don't like cool rocks? My girls yeah. have found some in our backyard. I've been thinking that'd be kind of a cool like father kid hobby to have together, right? Like, oh yeah, going hunting for minerals, geos. Maybe order some cool ones online. Get those magnifying glasses to look at them carefully and learn about geology. I mean, it'd be kind of cool. So I'm thinking about uh, you know taking a page out of the old Hank Schrader book and getting into <laughs> mineral collecting. <laughs> that could take up a whole ten to fifteen minutes of time. Right, exactly. You know how kids, they yeah. love. Yeah, exactly. It would just be like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, you know, once or twice a week. But hey, yeah, that's, exactly. you know, that's, that's, hey, that's better an, than nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my best moment in this scene happens at the very beginning of the episode. And it, it's sort of a continuation of a theme we talked about last the, uh, last episode. And it's when Walt notices the security camera that has been added to the to the um to the lab and he's very perturbed by this and in fact he flips the camera off at the very end of this right before the credits roll but the reason that i liked it as best moment is because it's sort of a continuation of the idea that he's always being watched and it's sort of a bigger thematic thing because what we find out at the end of the episode is that hank is going to start investigating gail a little bit he gets um, some evidence from from his cop friend and 
so there's yet another set of eyes that Walt doesn't know about yet. And so I like this idea of the camera representing just unseen eyes, keeping an eye on Walt and always being aware of his movements and how frustrating that is for Walt. And so it's a small thing, but it, I think it means a lot in, in this episode and then episodes moving forward. Well, you're absolutely right. And just your point earlier about Gus being absent from the episode, that's how he's not absent, right? Right. Like yes. he is the unseen eye. Maybe he's not operating the camera, but it's at least one of his guys who's operating the camera and relaying back to Gus what's going on, et cetera. So yeah. that, that camera is in a way Gus, but he's, right. you know, like the Wizard of Oz, the, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Gus is the man yep. behind the curtain yep. in this episode. And so he, he does cast a long shadow over everything that's happening here. Last thing before we get to nits to pick, I had an honorable mention best moment, and this is just something thematically. I might be reading in too much to this, but you know that's what we do here on this podcast. When Skylar calls Saul to basically tell him she has a plan for getting the car wash because earlier they couldn't figure out a way to get Bogdan to sell them the car wash, the very end of this this scene is you're watching you know uh, water and soap drain you know, drain into this, um, into the sink and drain down into the, you know, drain basin. And I think that thematically is really interesting because it's sort of like she's basically flushing her life away. She's committing to doing this thing and laundering Walt's money. And it's sort of like a visual representation of her sort of like circling, circling the drain. And then finally, you know, you know, basically flushing her life away at this yeah, point. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's one of those nonverbal visuals that works on a couple of different levels because, you know, her plan also involves, uh, you know, runoff and soap drainage right. because that's what the, you know, that's what the quote inspector, the fake guy that, right. um, that Skyder sends to Bogdan tells him about. But then, like yeah. you said, there's a deeper meaning to it there. And the, the fact that it can work on both those levels is really cool. There's a lot of really great transitions in this episode between yeah. scenes, which I really appreciate. It's fun to watch. Makes it fun to watch. All right, Zach, any nits to pick for this episode before we finally award our MVP and wrap this one up? Yeah, I've got a couple. So on the first part, we just talked about that inspector. Um, Bogdan never asked to see his credentials yeah. um, and never like verified with the state that he was who he said he was. Right. Um, he just sort he, of folds. Yeah. He just had like a, vi- and he doesn't seem like the guy who would kind of, who would do that. So it's not super believable to me. Call um, Gary. What's that? That's what he says. He says, call Gary. Call Gary. Who's yeah. The- that's my guy. My, my normal guy. Where's Gary? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like you would think that before he, before he just believes this guy and all of his testing, he would pay to have an independent tester come out. Right. He would contact the state and say, send a different inspector. I mean, right. You know, Get there a are second a number opinion. Of, yeah, exactly. There are a number of things that you'd expect him to do not just, you know, fold and immediately call Skyder and say like, it's sure. yours for $50,000 less than you'd originally offered, et cetera. So that's my first knit. The second one is <laughs> it's smaller, but in that spoon scene, when the realtor says one for each state, and then Marie says, technically Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, not a state. <laughs> like, do you, did the realtor really not know that? Because her response <laughs> is like surprise, like, oh, <laughs> so like, you yeah. really thought Puerto Rico was one of the 50 states. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not great. I just had a couple nits to pick here. First of all, um, the whole the whole scene with the inspector, that seems very a broad comedy to me. It's played off very dramatically, but like the idea of someone wearing a Bluetooth and someone from the car looking yeah. up state code, it's it's something you might expect from a, a broad comedy and not from a serious drama, which makes it a little silly. I think it was it was acted well and it was it didn't come off as overly silly but it just sort of stood out to me as like okay this this is 
kind of far-fetched. My other nit to pick in this episode is something that I didn't initially think about, but when we were talking through the scene of Walt and Skylar drinking the champagne and Skylar sort of saying, Walt, how did you pay for this? Didn't they just spend $800,000 on a car wash? And so where do, they, where do people think they got that money from? Mm, that's a good point, yeah. So, I mean, I know that they disclosed to Marie the, the fake gambling story that we learned right. about in season three, but like, are people really gonna bat an eye about a $300 bottle of champagne if they just bought $800,000 worth of a car wash? Yeah, so you have know. this, Seems that's, a, little that's strange. a really good point. No, it's a good point because you have the the gambling story, right? So we made a, what, a, a million dollars or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so I do not think it's unreasonable to expect that if someone, you know, even illicitly made a million dollars and then illicitly bought a car wash for 850000 right, or 829 whatever it was, yeah, um, you know, that they would like not spend $300 on champagne to celebrate. That seems <laughs> right. like, that seems like a relatively reasonable, reasonable. I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but, uh, as sure. we discussed, but you know, like it's, it's not like totally out of the ordinary, I think for someone to celebrate with a very expensive drink yeah. of champagne, you know, I'd rather have a nice meal, but you know, yeah. same difference, yeah, same like, difference, you know, go to like a, maybe a, go to like a five-star restaurant, take my wife out yeah. and you know, have a good exactly. steak or something. Oh, restaurants. Remember those? Oh man. Barely. Great stuff. Love those. <laughs> Barely. All right, Zach, last thing before we wrap up this episode, MVP, who is your MVP pick? This is a tough one for me, Josh. I have to say it is between the sisters. It's between Skylar for her excellent negotiation with Bogdan mm-hmm. uh, and Marie for her, one, her breakdown when she starts crying, which I think is just very powerful, but two, just her her general, uh, like lying her, her way through the open houses and stuff. Um, from a, I think from a like dialogue perspective, Skyler wins for me. From a visual perspective, Marie wins. It really is. Uh, basically 50-50 toss-up. If I'm leaning one direction, I think I'm going to have to give it to Marie. So I'm going to go with Marie. Yeah, I'm also going to give it to Marie. And I think part of it for me is that her plot line might seem extraneous at first, but her getting caught and then having to get bailed out of jail by Hank's friend, who then comes over to see him and gives him the file, it's going to push plot points throughout this this yeah, season. good point. And so, you know, again, it's not always about who is the most prominent, although she's very prominent in this episode, Betsy Brandt, who plays Marie. But also the the plot that the the role she plays in the in the greater plot, I think is important. So and I and, and certainly it's gonna pay dividends later that Hank is gonna start investigating this a little bit more closely. And I also saw a quote from Betsy Brandt, the person who plays Marie, who said this was her favorite episode of the season to shoot. Hmm, oh of course. I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not not much uh, not much uh, difficulty discerning that one. Right, right. That's yeah. really funny. All right, Zach. Anything else from this episode before we wrap it up? That that uh, gives Marie two much needed MVP yeah. votes. Hey, she boosted her total by one hundred percent today, and she's now tied with with if did you you updated this? So she's sure tied did, yeah. with with Gus and Saul, which is pretty crazy. And Tuco, which I mean, he and is Tuco. crazy. So yeah, exactly. And she is currently ahead of Hank, although I don't think that will stand uh, as we continue moving through this this show. But yeah, she's now has four MVP votes for this yep. this this series. So far. yeah, I could be wrong, but I suspect these are the last votes Marie will get. I think you're probably right. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, Zach. Anything else on Open House? No, that's it, Josh. But this was fun. Yeah, we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Breaking Pod. We're going to break down season four, episode four, bullet points. Until then, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then.